Shock Rock, the combination of rock and heavy metal music with theatric performances emphasizing face paint, gore, horror, and anything else that might equate to shock value. Alice Cooper may be the most recognizable name when it comes to shock rock, but he's far from being the first to be a little freak on stage. In fact, the origins of shock rock stem back to 1956 when Screamin' Jay Hawkins set out to record a, quote, refined ballad, end quote. Hawkins' producer, Arnold Maxson, had other plans. Quote, Maxson brought in ribs and chicken and got everybody drunk, and we came out with this weird version. I don't even remember making the record. Before, I was just a normal blues singer. I was just Jay Hawkins. It all sort of fell into place. I found out I could do more destroying a song and screaming it to death said Hawkins. The end result failed to chart in any meaningful way, but it was heard by prudes and freaks alike. Complaints arose around the excessive sexual grunting made by Hawkins in the recording. So much so that the label released an edited version specifically to make it more radio-friendly. The NAACP wanted the song to stop being played entirely, fearing it would reflect poorly on African Americans. But radio DJ Alan Freed added the song to his widely listened rock and roll review giving it enough airplay to eventually become listed as one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. So how does a grunting foundational rock song have anything to do with shock rock? Well, beyond Freed featuring Hawkins' signature song on the radio, he also offered the musician $300 to emerge from a coffin on stage. Hawkins initially refused. Quote, no black dude gets in a coffin alive. They don't expect to get out, said Hawkins. Of course, $300 is nothing to turn your nose up at, especially in 1956, so Hawkins emerged from a coffin wearing a cape. Subsequent performances saw Hawkins leaning into more props and costumes with a heavy emphasis on voodoo, tying in nicely with the theme of the song that brought Shock Rock to life. That's right, we're talking Screamin' Jay Hawkins' I Put a Spell on You on Cover Me. I put a spell on you. Because you're mine. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one loves you. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my co-host, who is mine, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, what is going on? Yeah, what is going on? It's Halloween, as far as you know. As far as y'all know. Uh, Going to see John Mulaney later, that's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty pretty excited for that. Um, that's what's going on. What's going on that's with what's you? Going on, you big Mulaney head, Alex. You you little comedy nut. <laughs> little comedy nut. I would hardly call myself a comedy nut, but I have watched watched his specials. And guess what? I think they're quite funny. Hey, there you go, Alex. Yeah. Um, you've been keeping up with all his his weird dramatic. He had a weird year, I think. Yeah, I don't really follow the gossip. I know the basic outline, but. Uh, Maybe it'll come up. I don't Maybe know. It'll come up. Learn a little more. Fantastic, Alex. Things with me are just same old, same old. Living out here in the big city. It's it's fucking hot as hell out here. We're hitting, I think, 27 degrees tomorrow. It's it's a drought, isn't it? It's a drought. Send your water my way, people. Yeah, I'll you're supposed you to get address. rain in, in, in Vancouver. In Vancouver, yeah. So apparently, typically, it's like between August and October, we get about 400 millimeters of rain. This year, we've gotten 50. Hmm. A lot less. less. Yeah. Much less. But, I mean, yeah, drought is spooky. You know what else is spooky? Halloween. Halloween. Uh, Yeah, I love Halloween, Alex. We're big Halloween heads here. This is our Halloween song this year. What a classic. 
Yeah, and a classic that like predates its own classicness, kind of. Like it yeah. was a it was a hidden classic, and then it got revealed in the following years, kind of. Yeah, because there's how I understood hundreds it. of covers of this. Yeah, there's a ton, and like it's another one that like I knew from a cover, and it's one that gets put on like Halloween playlists as a kind of somewhat spooky song. Um, but often the original doesn't, mm-hmm. even though it probably qualifies more. Yeah, because it does have a bit of that like novelty vibe to it. We'll talk yeah. about that, but it definitely feels more like for the season than say the uh, well, the version I know is the CCR version. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or even the other big one is the Nina Simone one, which we are of course talking about. But that one is not ne- kind of Halloween vibes, but. More like jazz vibes up front first. Yeah, not not in the same way, definitely, as the other two. And mm-hmm. it doesn't get put on Halloween playlists, perhaps, no. for that very reason. That could be it. But Screaming Jay Hawkins, I had no idea this man was a thing, an entity. Yeah, he gets brought up, you know, when looking back, like, historically. But, mm-hmm. I, like, certainly from a perspective of what I would look at, which is, you know, rock and roll. It comes up and it's important, but it but his overall output generally isn't as much as just this song specifically and his performances. Yeah. In fact, reading his Wikipedia page and learning about him, it seems his primary output might have been children. Yeah, damn. <laughs> yeah. How Dude's many got a lot of kids. What's the number? <laughs> He claims to have had between 57 to 75 children in total. Yeah, and there was like a, a documentary or, or a, a biographer who was able to identify 33. Yeah, which and like, was like a Even website. if he was exaggerating with the 57 to 75 thing, which is like very specific numbers, like 33 is also a lot. 33 is a large number <laughs> of children. Even if it's less than those other ones, other numbers. That's unreal. That's too many kids, dude. Yeah. Just not to mention, like, if he was actually getting hit up for child support, like, he'd have to work, like, 33 jobs. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty spread pretty thin. Yeah. I don't know how much he was making off of this recording thing. Yeah, I don't know. He was getting 300 bucks to come out of a coffin. That's... That's not bad. Yeah, from Alan Freed, who's another important name in rock and roll in that I believe he was, he's... He coined the phrase. Yeah, he coined the phrase rock and roll, or at least, or at least popularized, popularized it. it. yeah. It's always hard to know, right? But he's, yeah, he's, he's a radio DJ who's, who played rock and roll. Um, I've only, the, where I know his name from, he gets a shout out in a, in a T-Rex song. Okay. Called Ballrooms of Mars. Right, yeah, um, that's off. That's kind of uh, why I looked up his name. Yeah, it's off of the slider. The slider, yeah. exactly. And uh, I assumed he was. Um, oh, what's the LSD guy? I assumed he was oh, an LSD Alan. guy. Yeah. Oh fuck, uh, O'Leary. Tim yeah, O'Leary. Yeah. Is that who you thought he was? Yeah. I think. I think so. Or not? Not that I thought it was the same guy, but I assumed they were. It was just another like psychedelic type, you know. Yeah, I for some reason was also like, yeah, he's probably one of these psychedelic guys. Does the drugs? No, he just was a rock and roll DJ or like a yeah. rock and roll DJ. So, 
Anyway, so there's a lot of associations here, and this was, you know, mid-50s kind of thing. Yeah. So early days. Early days. And to already have, like, shock rock emerging, like, this is a very prototypical form of it, but it's I associate it so much with, like, 70s and 80s, like Alice Cooper, Kiss, like, that style of music. So let's see it in 1956 is just bizarre to me. It's like wild that it's that simple of an immersion. It's like, what if a black guy wore a cape and came out of a coffin? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But on the other hand, like, we talked about um, Little Richard. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about Tutti Frutti a little while ago. Right. A little while ago. Quite a while ago, we talked about Tutti Frutti. A bit ago. <laughs> change, yeah. Um, and even that, like, it wasn't shock rock in this, like, kind of horror-themed sense, but, like, it was definitely shocking. To people, you know. Right. Especially he would wear, like, makeup and stuff. Um, and even, like, we watched Elvis, and it was some um, component of shock, because they're like, look at him move his hips kind of thing, you know? Right, and that uh, was, like, an element of, like, people being raw. Where it was yeah. just, like, he is being, he's genuinely just, like, screaming, like, for uh, for little Richard, or, like, he's genuinely... True, and this song, too, like you hips. said, like, they wanted to... Some people wanted to ban it because of him screaming mm-hmm. and and making guttural grunts and sounds like you can't make those sounds and that's uh, that's like so absurd sounding now I, and so tame like, yeah. like to you and I this sounds yeah. like a novelty. He's doing track. like a uh, uh, it's yeah. like it's what? funny and they're like that sounds too much like fucking you're like what you're like whoa way too sexual <laughs> you're telling us a lot about yourself there sonically <laughs> speaking interesting. So those sounds specifically. Um, <laughs> it's like you recorded this in my bedroom <laughs> off the air. <laughs> it's an invasion of my privacy. Um, so like shock isn't like necessarily new to rock, especially because they rhyme, you know. Yeah. But um, also, it does introduce this like occult element that yeah really resonates with a lot of and, people. And like costume elements. Yeah that become big so yeah like the shock has always been there just like in pure like people's reaction to rock and this is where you're at there's actually like artifice around it rather than just like raw human emotion yeah 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 it's like not only am i giving you raw human emotion but i'm a vampire (laughs) (laughs) what's the difference (laughs) and also Um, yeah bones whatever on his nose that's, yeah, he's so yeah, he's leaning into voodoo elements, of course, being a uh, right. black American. Bones in the nose. He had a skull named Henry as a as a prop and a friend. Maybe I don't know if he ever like made it sing or, or anything. Well, him, but yeah, I mean, we, we were watching, um, or rather, there's there's like live footage of of David Bowie performing. I guess that's more mm-hmm. of a Hamlet reference, probably. But you know, holding the singing holding to skull, the, yeah. the skull. Which would also be either directly or indirectly uh, influenced by this. Because I know, I know David Bowie was influenced by Alice Cooper shows. Oh, yeah. And yeah, anything theatric, you know, that, that little freak was getting his hands on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you want to talk about raw, these lyrics, pretty raw yeah, too. Yeah, not very many of them. Not very many of them. Simple. Um, I read somewhere, I can't even find the note I took on it, but I guess he was just out of a breakup. When he wrote this piece, so to put it, because I everybody pretty much, if you know the line, I put a spell on you. You basically know the song because you're mine. Like that's the. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's the big part. That's There's the big gist other lines. of it. So it's about him like trying to almost keep a relationship even though it has ended against his his will. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my broad read, but let's get into the down and dirty details here. First one, I put a spell on you because you're mine. Stop the things you do. Watch out. I ain't lying. Yeah. I mean, there's that. Let's let's finish out the verse. I yeah. can't stand no running around. I can't stand no putting me down. I put a spell on you because you're mine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, the, this relationship's over. Um, it sounds like they broke up with him, kind of. It was a bit, maybe, maybe a bit messy. He kind of... I guess he's calling it running around. He's kind of refusing the end of the relationship. Right. And he's like, you're running around on me, but it's like, no, they broke up with you, dude. You gotta... <laughs> gotta accept that but also yeah he's clearly up- upset yeah yeah he's, he's being disrespected because she's she's running around he's like stop the things you're doing because i it's very threatening this one because i i am going to yeah. use magic. <laughs> can use magic to stop it um yeah that's definitely the read uh maybe it's just because the delivery i was kind of wondering because he does i mean we did talk about how it's supposed to be a slower ballad Mm-hmm. If that would have just been, like, creepy. Yeah, if that, like, at the time, they'd have been like, oh, yeah, this makes sense in 1956, but, like, yeah. coming at it today, you're like, well, this is fucked up. Yeah. Whereas, I think you're onto something, the the theatric element of it, the, the inclusion of dark magics, makes it more palatable, because you're like, well, yeah, he's a... A, a bad wizard, <laughs> like he's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he comes across as this, like, evil genius type or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, or spooky sorcerer, I guess, is probably more, more uh, appropriate. Yeah, some he's some weird, powerful entity that is not, you know, not benevolent. He's petty, and he he's gonna use magic on you. So watch the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, obviously, if this is just a dude, and he's like, don't do these things, or there's gonna be hell to pay, and there's no magic involved, you're like, whoa, you need like, to stop. Uh, yeah, you're just threatening someone now. Just <laughs> That's threatening just harassment. Someone. Which, again, mid-50s would be like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it wouldn't be, you know, that's bro, my impression. No. <laughs> it probably still would be kind of fucked up. Yeah. But, but also, it seems yeah. to me, based on my modern perspective, that people wouldn't have reacted as strongly at the time. Well, yeah, we've that said, he was also black, so maybe they would have. Maybe. That's right. There's a lot of different layers to this. I yeah. keep thinking of Take On Me, where he says, I'll be coming for your love anyway. And how True. today that line does not read well in what is otherwise a pretty genuine like love song. Yeah. Whereas I think this one already has it in the context of him being like not like a protagonist. We're only supposed to kind of relate to him in the way of like, yeah, I have also felt upset that people have left me and I wish I had <laughs> spells to put on them. I wish it was that easy, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think he is just uh he's a little he's a little ghoul that we're not necessarily supposed to be like, yeah, get her back, buddy. <laughs> um, verse two though, stop the things you do, watch out, I ain't lying. We've already heard that line. Mm-hmm. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yeah, I don't care if you don't want me, I'm yours right now. I put a spell on you because you're mine. Yeah, there's the other like well it's kind of a weird line because like it starts questionably you know i don't care if you don't want me you know because because you don't necessarily know what's coming after that yeah right the next line fortunately is quite indirect and i think that maybe maybe saves it a bit 
it, yeah, from I'm yours right now is almost sweet. Yeah, it's definitely doesn't seem as threatening, although, you know, overall it could be taken that way. Yeah, it's almost an admitted, uh, like a like a confession to the fact that he's under their power. He's right. Like, Listen, I'm, he's telling you that I put a twist. spell on you. It's clearly not working. Yeah, she's still doing shit. It's not. It's not his spell or whatever. Yeah, he's like, I'm already belong to you, but you're supposed to belong to me. So get on my level. Really is what he's saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. So and, and I think a lot of. Um, like versions that focus on the like love story side of things. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they they really focus on the "I love you" screaming "I love you" multiple times. Yes, um, line. But then, so that's very important for those. And Absolutely, then, and then also the following line. Yeah, I don't care if you want me. Um, and of course, I put a spell on you. Even that, I think a lot of people think of that, and they think of like seduction. Like I put a spell on you. Right. So ignoring the other lines, it's like, oh, this is just a song about being hot and <laughs> seducing people. <laughs> yeah, I so guess there, so. Yeah, More so there's just like, like layers you can take or leave on this piece because it is very simple. It's not necessarily a song with a, a positive message. It is mostly just like an emotional mess balled up. In a, yeah, it's kind of just like a cry lines. out. Yeah. In in frustration and pain of just like immediately after a breakup being like, no, I can't accept this. Yeah. It feels and, messy and it feels yeah. like immediate post-breakup. And of course it was delivered. The recorded version we got is delivered with a dude boozed up and having eaten a bunch of chicken and ribs. Uh, yeah, chicken and ribs apparently was like, cool. I, I, I don't know if that contributed to the recording, but maybe having little bones around it. <laughs> maybe, yeah, a little bit of that spooky energy and like there's yeah. a carcass around. Yeah. Um, but so you want to talk about the instrumentation now? Well, let's do it because I think because that's talked. all the lyrics. That's it. That's all. And it is it's just two uh, verses. Two verses. So this is a real song. on the original. It's a very vocal piece. It is. Um, and I think that might be. Like, I, I'm not familiar with Jay Hawkins' other work, but this one does come across as being very simple, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it does kind of sound like, once you know the story, like, oh yeah, this kind of sounds like they were just messing around in the studio, because it's very simple. Yes. And, like, they kind of set up a rhythm with, like, that quick bump, 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 saxophone and yeah. stuff. Um, and, like... Maybe a ukulele? I don't know. Something strummed, but like really tight. Let's see. I've got personnel on this. So we've got okay. vocals. We've got a guitar, piano, tenor saxophone, baritone saxophone, bass, drums, and then one guy credited with arrangement. <laughs> it must be guitar then. It must be guitar, but you're talking 1956 here, so they kind of hit that more treble. True. Anyway. It could just be a really, like it just says guitar, right? Yeah, it doesn't say, like... Which, like, it could be, like, nylon guitar or, like, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So, is isn't necessarily going to sound like, you know, country levels of, of bright strings kind of thing. Yeah. On an acoustic or whatever. And, yeah, and speaking of tone quality, one, there's that guitar with its its weird uh, weird notes, but the the brass, the saxophones, are, like, what I would describe as Halloween sax. Halloween sax. Yeah, like, it's just, like, the way, like, the staccato notes, I think, for one, that... 
bam. There is something like that gets mimicked, I think, in a lot of Halloweens. Like there's something like that in Monster Mash, I'm pretty sure. Anytime you've got a kind of mm. goofy Halloween track, there's a bit of that style of brass going on, I think. Interesting. It is an interesting, like, it's very, like, staccato, quick, and also, like, there's a lot of low-end, or at least, like, implied low-end, because I'm not convinced it's actually there. It's yeah. kind of like, almost like a vo- like a fry, like a vocal fry situation, but on Maybe, saxophone. and then maybe contrasted with that high guitar that's doing the, like, in the back there. Yeah, that's the other fun thing about it, is it's either in 3-4 time or like 4-4 sw- four, four swing. Right. This version's a little more ambiguous. I think most of the later ones put it in 4-4 four, four swing, but this could be more of a fast 3-4. For sure, yeah. Um, well, that's kind of interesting. But yeah, there's a lot of that saxophone. Yeah, <laughs> I like that not Halloween climb. sax. It is like cartoonish, I would say. Because yeah, something about this that is- horn is like... Like Looney Tunes, like in time with their steps, kind of. <laughs> right, yeah. Of like, uh, you might get like pizzicato strings or something, or like mm-hmm. that, depending on the character, right? Right, of like course. whether they're like sneaking or or stomping or something. Um, yeah, it does kind of have that that feel to it, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and so, it fits in with the sort of theatricality of it all, and the idea that they were just kind of like goofing around. And it's good for performances, right? Because he can walk around to that. Yeah, it's a very easy, like, almost waltz or something you can do to that. You can really kind of peacock around to that. So, yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Um, Like, that really establishes the instrumentation. The rest is this... And we, of course, this is the edited-down version. There's not as much, I think. Is this the... Edited down completely. I didn't pick the right. I mean, there. it's there's less sexual grunting in this. I think I tried to find the 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 full on version, but I'm thinking maybe it got left in the past. Hmm. That's just That's my very thoughts. Possible. Yeah. So maybe there's less grunting in this one. I don't know. But he still gets a lot of kookiness on here. I think. Yeah. Screams and whoops and screams and whoops like thirty three. He does this, <laughs> this like spooky laugh. Yes, his spooky laugh. He does some spooky laughing. Does he do another one near the end? I don't remember. Oh, there's no. I'm thinking of a different version. Oh, you're thinking of a different one. Um, and just ripping vocals too, like these big yeahs yeah. and yeah, the big yeahs. Those are those are wild. But yeah, he like really goes on these on these vocals. It's funny to hear him talk about it because he doesn't seem to be like that into it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it turns into kind of a novelty, and I get it. That can be difficult, but at the time, or like difficult to manage as an artist. But this was also early enough that there wasn't much to compare it to, right? Like, this is an early example of like a novelty song defining an artist. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what else there would have been that he could look at, say, like, I don't want to go down that path. Maybe it just is a natural thought of like, well, uh, it's not really serious. Because yeah, he did, yeah. I read some of his Wikipedia, and he initially wanted to be like an opera singer, and even this was supposed to be a refined ballad in his mm-hmm. eyes. So he kind of stumbled in some ways into rock and roll, made his his purchase there with the the coffin act and these things to to keep himself in the business, 
And then that kind of defined him in there. And there is a quote I have from him here. He says, if it were up to me, I wouldn't be screaming Jay Hawkins. James Brown did an awful lot of screaming, but never yeah. call it, got called screaming James Brown. Why can't people take me as a regular singer without making a boogeyman out of me? Yeah, which, I mean, that's always unfortunate to hear that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like, you can't really control how you're perceived, and it sucks. It sucks, yeah. You kind of just got to roll with it. Also, the amount of fucking he was doing, Screamin's also a good name <laughs> for that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Fits a bit. Yeah, it's tough to, like, reconcile who you become sometimes because of the, the choices you make, I guess, and the public perception you get. Yeah. But, I mean, it's hard to argue that this song has a strong legacy. And as much as he maybe, and, you know, it's tough to know if he came to terms with it later in life or whatever. Because oftentimes that's what happens. Um, yeah. At least oftentimes that's what people talk about happening. Maybe yeah, it's particularly- just a survivorship bias situation. But yeah. um, he, like, it's, it's hard to argue with the song's legacy. And I think it's a positive legacy. I think so, too. Yeah. Because listening to this version, a lot of times we listen to the 1956 version of anything, or 19, even 1960, and it's like, nah, right, like, we had the framework here for what is going to become great. Yeah. I think this version is great on, it, st- it stands on its own. Yeah, definitely. This is, like, all here. It's as simple as it is, like, it's all it needed to be, mm-hmm. and there are different interpretations of that that are also good, but it's not like they diminish this one. This one kind of stands on its own. Absolutely. It also has a sax solo in it. It does. Which is also good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, still, it's really short. Really short mm-hmm. sax solo. But, like, it, it kind of sticks with the tone of the song. What, the, the, the notes themselves are still fairly short, but a little less staccato. Yeah. But everything keeps everything very, you know, quick. Yeah, it, it goes along in a clip. And yeah, it is simple. It leaves a lot of, uh, and of course the lyrics are also simple, so it leaves a lot for people to play with in the later versions, which Mm -hmm. you're going to see, but it also makes its own point, like we've said. So yeah, I think it's a great version. Um, Alex, you said you watched some live footage of Screaming Jay Hawkins. Can you tell me anything about it? Um, I mean, it's him on stage, right? So he's got some like pretty, I don't know how I would describe the outfit. You know, I thought it was color footage, but now that I'm watching it again, it might, it's, <laughs> it looks black and white. But yeah, he's got a skull on like a stick and he's got like little bone things, horn things on his face. We talked about how he like leaned into kind of like voodoo aesthetic. Yes. And stuff. And like, there's definitely, there's other things on the stage that are hard to make out because it, yeah, the audio but he's quality. like going around making like <laughs> sounds and like there's teeth chattering, like fake teeth. Oh, you know, exciting. the wind up ones. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So I guess it is a music ones. video, like early music video. I guess. Yeah. The man knew how to perform, too. Also, yeah, yeah chattering teeth are like a Halloween staple. This man feels like the godfather of Halloween in some ways. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious how much of it like came before versus around, after because yeah. i don't know how much how long the halloween tradition as we know it has really been going mm-hmm. but uh yeah you definitely get a lot of that a lot of that in here a lot of that i and i did see a quote some people call him or at least one article called him like the black vincent price right saw that halloween one fixture yeah 
So I, I don't know how much of the rest of his work supports that, but definitely this song is a good claim. Yeah. And truthfully, I don't know a single other Screamin' Jay Hawkins song. No, I mean, this is obviously a song that gave him the screaming moniker. Mm-hmm. And it even says it on the record, because I was wondering when that came into light, and on the single printed, it says Screamin' Jay Hawkins. So, and I do wonder if that was his choice, his producer's choice. It was not really clear to me when Screamin' came into it. Yeah, or if it's like something that he was called on the radio, maybe, and then it just right. stuck. And then the the marketing people were like, well, we got to call him that now. Yeah, we got to roll in with that. <laughs> Almost like Hall and Oates. I mean, very different, but like... Very yeah. different, yeah, but similar. Where like, like, it's Hall and Oates. Yeah. And like, no, we are Daryl like, no. Hall yeah. and John and John Oates, Oates. yeah. Like, we're like, exactly, yeah, you don't get to necessarily choose how people refer to you or think about yeah, you. Yeah, that is the truth. But we refer to versions remade of a song as covers, and we're about to talk about them. That was a bad we are covers, but we're talking about Nina Simone in 1965. I put a spell on you. Cause you're mine. Yes, Nina Simone. Who's a big deal? Big Nina deal. Simone's a big deal uh, in, in like music in general. Um, often Activism. called, often She's referred to as like a, a like a jazz pianist, but I think she always considered it more of like classical music. That's what I. Yeah, my she's almost more like Americana at this point. Speaking yeah. maybe with a jazz leaning, but she is such like an uh, American music fixture. Mm-hmm. And I think we previously talked about her cover of "Wild Is the Wind." We did. We did. Which, which is, is a pretty tremendous cover. Yeah, it's phenomenal. <laughs> Uh, and, and that's yeah. a, a song made for a movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, what is what a strange what a strange legacy on that song. A strange legacy. On Check the, out yeah. that episode. Check out that it's episode from just this past January. I or two think January? so. This January, two January, one of the two. Yeah. Phenomenal song. Also a great Bowie cover. Um, but yeah, we're talking Nina Simone. Um, her album "This Is On" is named after the this song. So I put a spell on you. Mm-hmm. And this is like the commercial success one. It hit number 120 on the pop charts, number 23 on the R&B charts, number 49 is a UK single, and then when reissued in 1969, it hit number 28. Yeah. So it sold some copies. Sold some copies. This started to, to really solidify it, I think, in the popular consciousness. And it's got almost like a James Bond feel to it. It does have a bit of that, what I would, you know what I would think of as like sounding like from an old movie mm-hmm. um, which mostly just means like there's some orchestration on it yeah and like one singer kind of think wow one powerful the singer. one say I guess I guess the one yeah one powerful singer is more of like a yeah bond bond song kind of thing mm-hmm. so yeah you get these strings in at the start and some low brass very soft brass compared to the uh, the original yeah it's a very very different feel to the original song like this is where i could see like i was questioning whether this song would work as a more serious song and i think she makes it work as a more serious song absolutely um so i guess yes it does do i view it differently with a woman singing versus a man singing possibly 
maybe I have to examine that. You know, maybe. But um, but I think it works. <laughs> yeah, I think it works phenomenally. There's some great like piano licks on this. She's obviously got a great vocal performance. Oh yeah, definitely. Her voice is very distinctive and, and, and singular. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, she is. I think one of the most sampled artists of all time. I don't know if there's a statistic on that, but she is widely sampled. Yeah, uh, I believe and that. and it's very very distinctive. You know, to hear she has a very yeah that that voice is distinct. Um, so I the mean, piano you say, is playing? it different having a woman sing it? It's almost just different having Nina Simone. Sing <laughs> right, it's just because Nina Simone is Nina Simone. Uh, yeah, maybe that's all it is. Um, the piano playing, you mentioned it. Um, yeah, very like flowing, particularly on the verse um, that, where I took note of it. Mm-hmm. And like, kind of made me think of, I mean, this isn't Wild as is the Wind, but it sounds like wind. <laughs> oh. I don't know. Like, just this really kind of fast, like arpeggio sound that just is high up high register just yeah flowing flowing oh yeah it's just like yeah it is like breezy a bit uh and uh, she throws in kind of some of her own i'll say syllables like it's jazzy scat style um vocal improvisations right yeah but i can't do it obviously but. we were just talking about a dude, and this will be, I don't know if this episode will come up before or after. We were talking about a dude wearing a fedora and how it was before fedoras really <laughs> fell out of like the goodwill of people. Right. And this is like Nina Simone is what makes scat seem like a good idea. And then everyone's like, yeah, let's do that. And they're like, we're going to fucking do that. And <laughs> it's <laughs> the worst thing. Uh, and. Yeah, there's a lot of good sounds in this one. There's a harp. A lot of good sounds. Yeah, a bit of harp in there. Harp. This one also has a saxophone solo. Yes, it does. Um, which is interesting, I think, uh, because it kind of reintroduces short, quick saxophone notes, mm-hmm. um, which we saw in the original. So it's almost like, like most of this song is very, like, much in contrast with this solo, but also the original. The original is very staccato, and then this version is very soft and flowing. Yeah. Uh, but now we kind of have a little reference back. So that's yeah. fun. Absolutely. And you see it in a different context where it's playing counter to these large sustains and these big swells. So yeah, it it's is a cool totally move. different. It's so yeah. simple. You know, just like changing the articulation a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it makes it feel so different. Yeah. It's great. Um, another good move that I like that she does. Uh, second verse. She cuts out the very first line. Mm, yeah. Uh, which is kind of a repeat of a previous line anyway. And just like says, I love you a bunch. Which, yeah, that's such a good yeah. take. Like just coming in on those, I love you, I love you. You're like, oh yeah. Yeah, really focusing on that. I mean, that's the important part is that like feeling of heartbreak and shouting, I love you multiple times. Yeah, that's in like the next emotional point beat. That's pretty yeah. well. So taking out that repetition of a line we've already heard, like we've already established that, like from a plot-wise perspective. So like move on to the next part. And that yeah. part is in some ways a climax. It's just the, the rawest emotion. We've, we've put magic aside. We put everything else aside. It's just this simple idea the person is trying to get across. I love you. Yeah. 
So, way to go. <laughs> way to go, Nina Simone. Knock way it out of the Nina park Simone. again. Yeah, just a, just a monster of music. Because it's Halloween, baby, so we, we call them monsters. But <laughs> hey, you get a big band finish on this, so a very definite, finite finish, and yep. we're out. Big ending. She sings your mind. Yeah. Crazy good. So then we're going to move on, though, into 1968, three years later, with the Credence Clearwater Revival Band. I put a spell on you. Are. These are the yeah. guys. Love this is 100 percent the first version I ever heard. Yeah, um, to the point where because I knew the song, and then like I got a CCR Greatest Hits record on CD because uh, that's my era, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Holy shit! I put a spell on you." Is CCR's song? Not knowing it was a cover, I was just like, "Wow!" And I, I accepted it because this version rocks. So I was just like, "Yeah, it yeah. makes sense. This version sounds very good. How could it be a cover?" Well, here's how. They didn't write it. Here's how. Yeah. CCR, of course, they're a band. Maybe you've heard of them. (laughs) They're a a very, very popular American rock band uh, from California. Um, Yeah. Famous. I mean, the the members, several Fogarty's, Stu Cook. Right. John Fogarty and his brother. Uh, Tom. Brother Tom. Tom. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They were kind of, as I understand, they were actually... Kind of, because back in the late '60s, when the Beatles were kind of winding down, mm-hmm. there was a big focus on like who's going to be the next Beatles. And right. There wasn't really a next Beatles. It turns out, just because they changed the industry, so you couldn't yeah. have another Beatles. That's probably an oversimplification, but these guys were considered a candidate for that because they were just so insanely popular yeah talking in the same light there was also the idea of the new dylans right that is true which is similar but different but so you have this idea of the the clear successor to the beatles yeah and it's and the beatles like style of performance we're really like ccr also sometimes their genre is referred to as swamp rock <laughs> yeah is, is like too american to have ever been the beatles yeah, very different. But there's still, I mean, the Beatles obviously had a lot of uh, American influence as well. Yeah, but yeah undeniably. Very, it sounds very different. It sounds very different. Yeah. But they are, and they have such a strange, like, pop culture resonance. Because they aren't the Beatles, but they come up a lot. And almost anybody hears CCR, and they're like, yeah, obviously, I know CCR. Yeah. And they obviously, weren't around they for rock. that long, also. No. Um, but they definitely have some... Some solid tunes. Solid tunes. There's a documentary on Netflix now uh, narrated by Jeff Bridges about CCR. I haven't watched it yet, but of course that's done because Jeff Bridges' character in... uh, Oh, right. Credence tapes. Yeah, the Credence tapes in... Why can I not remember the name of the movie? Um, Big Lebowski. Yeah, Big Lebowski. Lebowski. He, yeah, that plays such a... a, I want to say a huge role. It's mostly just a recurring gag. About the CCR tapes in his cars not being stolen. He He hates the Eagles, loves CCR. Great bit. I think it's, supposedly it's important because it's related to, like, the one character who, like, John Goodman's character who was a Vietnam vet or something. Oh, okay, right. And, of course, the classic uh, Fortunate Son. Fortunate Son. So tied to the Vietnam War. 
Anyway, getting a bit off topic. Yeah, yeah talk about CCR big deal. all day. They got big some deal. good songs. Check them out. Maybe you've heard of them. Yeah. Check Maybe you've heard of them. If you hadn't, listen to this. I'm now yeah. I'm just going to insert all four and a half minutes of four and CCR and a half into the track. <laughs> Put a spell on you. And then just move on to the next one without saying anything. Yeah, um, nothing to be said. Yeah. Um, this one stylistically changes it. I mean, you know, brings it into this blues rock um, realm. Yes. Very different from Nina Simone. Fairly different from Screamin' Jay Hawkins as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also John Fogarty singing, so he's got some pipes. Yeah. You know? uh, he kind of... Um, I don't want to say he screams it, but like he's got, he's got like some, some roughness, some gruffness. Yeah, we're at a point here where rock and roll has a little more definition. Yeah. Where the idea of screaming like Screamin' Jay Hawkins does on the original track has been refined and kind of sanded off to be, I don't want to say less rock, because I think rock and roll is still pretty like rock and roll in the 1960s. But it's, it's and different and more normal. But it is more refined, and it like we are hitting what is audibly pleasant to people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so that makes sense. We, we kind of take the novelty out of the original. We re-emphasize the blues rock element. And some of that, I brought up them being called Swamp Rock, because I think there is a bit of that energy here. We're trying to conjure the bayou in this the same way Jay Hawkins was conjuring voodoo. That's another funny thing about Creedence Clearwater Revival, because they're from, like, California. California, yeah. Uh, Not, like, the the Deep South, like, Louisiana, but they do kind of present themselves in that way, or they do. Yeah, right down to the name, Creedence Clearwater Revival, sounds like some Louisiana shit. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. No, it just sounds good. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Anyway. um, So, and speaking of pipes, because I did say pipes earlier. Pipes. uh, The beginning of this song has like some sound effects, kind of. Like it almost sounds like a mad science lab. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get that novelty feeling from it. Yeah. Um, And it it is on a lot of novelty playlists. It sure is. but what else uh what else is going on in this song? It's a pretty driving rhythm on the guitars. It's a bum 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 bum. That's getting that like swing feel. Well, you know, triplet um sound. Yeah. Or fast three four, but to me it sounds more like triplets, but I don't know. Yeah, it does feel like a reset on the third. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that goes on throughout. That's kind of the rhythm guitar. But you also get another guitar playing like slower chords. Uh, but that's kind of like the setup. And yeah, I mentioned the blues, and it really feels like that because it's like they do the verses. The the instrumentation is fairly consistent, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then they throw in like a really long guitar solo. <laughs> Yeah, they just knock out some great solos in this. Yeah. Big instrumental section. Um, vibes of like other songs we've talked about in that vein where it's minimal lyrics and then you just hit them with X minutes of just yeah. ripping guitar. So I think it's about two minutes of just a long guitar solo. Yeah. Um, with a few different sections. There's some cool stuff. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. the solo is very influenced by that triplet feel. Um, and there's also an extended section in the middle where he just kind of like bends strings i think yeah like, that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's classic that is yeah. like an iconic moment in this song for me uh, is that 
that sound, so that's cool sound, and like yeah. the fast drumming bit. Yeah. It's um, great improvised rock. Like, this is yeah. blues rock. The same way people think blues is cool. Like, what I just said about Nina Simone with uh, with Scat applies to CCR for guitar solos. It's right. like people are like, we need to do that. Just do that, and then, yeah, maybe But it's it. never as good as what you're trying to imitate. <laughs> that is true. Um, And then they throw in the other verse, although it's actually a repeat of the first verse. They don't do the I don't care if you don't want me line. Yeah. Uh, does that mean anything? Eh, probably not, because I don't really get the idea they care that much about the lyrics, more the tone of the song. Yeah, this is definitely like a vibes piece. Yeah, and and the lyrics, like, they pick this song to base it off of, obviously, mm-hmm. for a reason, because they have the right vibes, but they just kind of build off those vibes. Yeah, buddy. It's uh, we get another big rock finish for this one too, similar to the Nina Simone version. There's a definite endpoint. I'm skipping to the end because there is just so much like instrumental. Yeah, there. there's not a whole lot else to say about specific parts. It's like mm-hmm. a, it's it's kind of uh, you know, sneaking in a guitar solo between a couple verses of a song that already existed. You know, yeah, Which is such a like blues rock thing to do. Absolutely. And it can yeah. go so poorly. We've talked about so many versions like that on past episodes. Where oh, like, yeah. Yeah, we say two lines and then we just we just go off. And it's like, well, this For, sucks. Like, seven minutes later, we repeat those two lines. Like, okay. Yeah. But no, this is a good example of solos with some lyrics around it. Yeah. Quite... Um, Enjoyable. Quite enjoyable. There is a music video for this. It's not all that interesting. No, I'm, and uh, we weren't sure exactly if it was made at the time or put together later from footage. It The lighting does seem very consistent and deliberate, though. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's not like it was put together from unrelated footage or anything. But it's kind of interesting. Um, it's very... Well, just like bits. It there's kind of, there's some cool-ish shots. It's not that great overall. Um, most of it is just showing the band, but like really up close, so you can't even see them playing their instruments. Yeah, which is why I thought maybe it was like just other footage, and they're like, ah, they're not playing the right song. It's fine, just right. zoom in. Like not on their hands, on their faces. Um, but like I said, it's consistently lit. Yeah, they do this fun shot, too, around, like, the 44-second mark where they do these spinning shots of each band member. Yeah, and they're kind of, they're, they're like, superimposing footage. Yeah. So it'll fade between the band members or show multiple at the same time. Yeah. So in terms of, like, even techniques that would have been available at the time, like, this could be done during the late 60s. Would it have been done, though? I don't know. There's a copy. Yeah, like how experimental would this have been considered in yeah. 1968? Like, I don't know. Plus, just the quality of some of this superimposing is pretty modern, in my opinion. Especially with some of the, I mean, they're kind of pushing the like psychedelic part of it, which is yes. another reason I would think it would be late 60s, right? Mm. So I don't know. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, it's kind of neat. There's some cool shots, like various, like, yeah, showing things moving over top of still things and yeah. lots of those those putting putting shots together. Very, like, kaleidoscopic at times. Yes, that's the um, word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. So basically just get 
shots of the different members imposed over this like pulsing kaleidoscope thing. It looks like some kind of liquid pressed between like sheets of glass or something. Right, yeah, something like that. Yeah, kind of bending light and blocking light. Except a lot of the shots just look like paper cutouts of the band members. Like they're not Yeah, they really do. Um and then it kind of goes into just showing the band playing but like it's close-ups on their faces. You can't see them actually playing. Yeah. Then it pulls out a bit near the end. And like that's kind of it. Oh, the harsh lighting. I mentioned it was consistently lit. Very harsh lighting. Yeah, very little, harsh little lighting. Spooky. Just a little bit. Very kind of orangey red end of the spectrum. Yeah, it definitely hits hits the mood of the song of pretty shadows. well. Yeah. So it's cool. It's all right. I, you know, I don't feel like I need to have the video on when I'm listening to the song. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah all that necessary or like enriching per se, but it is there if you want it. And hey, if you want it, that's your choice, man. My choice <laughs> is to, got it. to move on about 40 years to uh, Yeah, there's a big gap now. Apparently there were no good ones in between. This. Damn, it happens sometimes. Um, or I just randomly took them off the playlist. So this is Kim Nally. I'll put a spell on you. Because you're mine. Oh, you're mine. Uh, Kim Nally, 2006. A doctor. A doctor? Yeah, I don't know what her doctorate is in. It never told me that. I'm assuming probably music theory or could, like yeah, jazz studies or something. She's the jazz and blues singer. She does have a three and a half octave range, according to this Wikipedia page, which is yeah. pretty good, I guess. Which is pretty good. Not as good as four octaves of range, but better than three. Close um, yeah, American singer. Um, but there's... Oh, wait, hang on. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Um, this is a very piano-based version, and I was about to say it was very Nina Simone influence, influenced, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure it is somewhat, but it is more, I think, an alternate take on the idea of a piano-based version, because it's more yeah. of a like direct blues sound. For sure, yeah, it really rides the jazz and blues line. Um, definitely more so than like Nina Simone. The Nina Simone, yeah. Uh, it's also 2006, so you know genre. 2006, so it is. Yeah, this is basically a throwback cover at this point. Yeah. Even though, I mean, the original was like ten plus years before some of the other versions we've talked about, right? That's true. So it's, you so know, time compresses. Yeah. In the distant past, but at the time, it was a decade away. You know. Yeah. Um, biggest note here, she says, you better stop it, daddy. <laughs> she does say stop it, daddy. She has a lot of those c- sorts of um, ad-lib moments, right? Yeah. Throwing in a, a daddy or a baby or whatever. In fact, yeah, and as we get to the end, there's a whole uh, ad-lib section, which is like a call and response between her and the instruments. Yeah. Where she says, I got my black hip moves, and then they play a line, that I got my four-leaf clover. I got a gypsy woman giving me advice, and I got some red hot. Maybe she says lips. I put tips, tips but it's probably tits? tips, tits. I got <laughs> to keep on she's ice. Got to keep on ice. Got to keep them on ice, and they're red hot. Um, something with an i vowel. Yeah. And ending with s. Letters in between. Who fucking knows? Yeah. <laughs> but what about the rest of the what version? About, What's yeah, that before like? Before we get there, um, it starts out 
pretty chill, you know? Yeah. Or on the chill side, like, there is an electric guitar, which I think makes it, in particular, sound quite different from the Nina Simone version. It's a little overdriven, and it's kind of playing blues licks, but there's... Yes. The rest of it is, like, a lot of this piano, because it is quite piano-based, and it's playing a lot of uh, chords and stuff. Yeah. And then you're kind of gentle drum. Like, the piano and the drums make me think jazz. The guitar makes me think blues. And then her vocal performance kind of rides between the two. Yeah, because there's a lot of moments where she kind of has that, like, digging in. She's a pretty strong singer. Yeah, she's a very strong singer. And she does a lot of those stutters as well. Yeah. So she's, you know, she's chewing it up. She's obviously, you know, in the spirit of the original. Yes. Of being very theatrical about the performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, yeah, it all sounds really cool with a lot of those blues licks and stuff. So, um, and then it gets into the end. There's lots of like repeating lines and those ad libbing. We talked about those lines she puts in about her black hip moves and such. Mm-hmm. Um, she also another thing she does that we saw with the Nina Simone version was lots of emphasis on that "I love you" line. We're just screaming "I love you" over and over. Yeah, again, that's which big. is a good move. And also, if you can pull it off, um, quite affecting. Just to scream "I love you" over and over again. Yeah. So yeah, big vocal hits. The same way that the original was like a vocal piece, this one feels like a vocal piece with some strong instruments behind it. So we get a guitar solo instead of a sax solo. It's very bluesy. It's a pretty good solo, honestly. Yeah, the piano chills mostly for that bit. Yeah. But it's a guitar solo, so I wouldn't. But I mentioned, I called the piano chill earlier. I want to emphasize that that is not the, not the case later on in the song. The piano is really moving later on. Oh, yeah. Very, you know. Particularly, there's a bit where it's bah, 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 really bang and really percussive. Um, and then she'll do her like kind of breakdown thing. It'll play along with her. Yeah. Those sorts of moves. It's a lot of that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty cool performance. Yeah, it's very dynamic. It is live. There is an audience applause at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, even, even having this kind of one recording quality into performance live, fantastic. Yeah, so good show. Yeah, good show, good version. It's uh, I got not much else to say about it, honestly. Yeah, me neither. Good stuff. Let's move on to a little <laughs> bit of a weirdo one. Uh, Now Lab in 2010. <laughs> Yeah, I really wanted to talk about this one just because it has like a few references in it. <laughs> yeah, so it is I, a yeah, fun. described as a music slash word slash image project project created in uh, 1985 by Eric Forsmark, Peter Danielson, and another guy, Ulf Kjellger, <laughs> promoting cross-border mobility for long-lasting peace, love, and understanding. Yeah, I don't really know what that means what that means <laughs> um it means that this has a vibe of kind of like cut up audio and those sorts of elements we kind of enter with tv static um a lot of samples of mm-hmm. just screaming jay hawkins talking yes not just screaming jay hawkins though who else do we got in here, dum, dum. so the beginning of this song um 
Or the very beginning? He says, this is Screaming Jay Hawkins. Yeah. Then the song starts. And then it plays a clip from Fire by the Crazy World of Arthur Brown. Ah. Uh-huh. That's the I am the God of Hellfire line. Oh, okay. That's from that song. Which we were also thinking about doing this doing year right. uh, for Halloween. Of course, Arthur Brown is noted as one of the other kind of big progenitors of shock rock. Yes, and he also covered, I put a spell on you, we're not talking about it We're not talking about it, but there you go. Good to see him getting mentions in the episode. So yeah, this is like a, it does feel like an art project of music where this guy's just kind of like putting together things he thinks of when he thinks of this song. Well, I was wondering if maybe, and I found evidence to the contrary, but I was wondering if maybe it was all samples from different versions that we just didn't know, but he does seem to have some actual like vocalists and, in, and, and uh, instruments playing. Like I'm watching a live version. Okay. And there's a singer. There's a singer. Yeah. I, th- I feel two. like that singer is his singer, whoever it might be. Is what? Sorry. I think that's like the singer is on this track. The female vocalist. Is yeah. The female vocals. Yeah. Um, but there's a few, there's a few <laughs> sets of vocals actually on this track. Yeah. I mean, we get like, yeah grumbly goblin type vocals and yeah, stuff. there's the low yeah low gruff grumbly goblin vocals um that there's female vocals and then there's another guy maybe but there's also some like narration yes and i don't necessarily know where that comes from like because the, there's he says like i've got a song called 21 eyeballs i think that's the screaming jay hawkins uh, uh, is that screaming jay hawkins saying that yeah Oh, does he have a song called 21 Eyeballs? I don't fucking know. Because, <laughs> like, I looked up those songs. I could not find a song called 21 Eyeballs. Um, not that I looked that intently. So I don't know what that's referring to. Because I don't know okay. who has a song called 21 Eyeballs. I mean, because I, th- I think if you listen to him saying, this is Screaming Jay Hawkins. And then oh, you so hear him say, I got a song called 21 Eyeballs. It's <laughs> the same voice. Really bad. Yeah, it's the same voice. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. So it's possible that that's just like him playing up the character. Or yeah, maybe he just that, didn't record those songs. Maybe you know? he did it. It's possible he had those songs and they're just unrecorded. But it also <laughs> sounds like it would just be like character fluff, like he's on stage. Yeah, it does kind of sound like, because like you can see it says 21 Eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Then he says cow eyes, so we got eyes. And then he says cow lips, so he's still talking about cows. So it's like each one right. is like the last one with one, like part he's of like the He's like just trying to improv, and he's yeah. like, oh, shit, what's something out there? He's like cow eyes, Sounds however like said eyeballs. Sounds like mildly panicked improv. Yeah, cow lips, fuck, I can't get away from cows now. Uh, another kind of lips. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. And he's talking about it like being weird, basically. Yeah, so I think like a lot of the talking stuff is just Screaming Jay Hawk and the samples. Yeah, and a lot of it plays the bump, 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 but it's on like like synth. Yeah, it's yeah this synth like kind of thin organ sound. Yeah, and yeah, lots of samples of him screaming and doing singing various things, and then they got their own singer and they're mixing in some of the original vocals. Yeah, it's hitting you from different speakers. Some of it's in the left, some of it's in the right. Yeah. Sometimes it passes back and forth. Uh, and there's a guitar solo too. Yes, there is. Um, which is actually kind of cool. This is it's. An, I thought it was like an interesting sound overall of this, just like mashing a bunch of stuff together, and then yeah. just put like a kind of cool guitar solo in, and then just like go back. Yeah, and it, it it sets you up in a real like 
chaotic, strange space with these samples and the yeah. altering vocals. It's definitely spooky. Yeah, I guess it has that feeling of, I don't know, it's just like mashing a bunch of stuff together. Like, it's like a jam session, but not everyone brought instruments. Like, some people just brought, like, a bunch of samples of Screaming yeah, Jay like Hawkins, right? Yeah, there's just a dude with a cassette machine, like, here yeah. now. So it has a, a collaborative feel to it, I guess, which is maybe mm-hmm. kind of what the thing is. Yeah. Um, and the elements don't... I mean, everything works together, but it does... Some of it feels a bit random. Yeah, and I ways. think that is sort of some of the, yeah. the intent, is a sort of art house feel where you're just supposed to be like, I don't understand these things, but it's making me feel a certain yeah. way. And it's like, enough of I put a spell on you, they're like, I get it. Yeah. It's enough of a thing I already know. And it's not like any single part is totally out there, you know? No. It's just that like putting them together in this way is like a, a bit weird. Yeah, it's just a bit just off a bit. kilter. Just a bit. But I think that aligns with the original and its emphasis on being just weird and strange. Yeah. So, so it's, it's cool. Yeah. Cool little version. And then he talks about a mailman at the end to receive a message from you. Is he talking about a mailman at the end? I missed yeah, that. Yeah, he says, this is Screaming Jay Hawkins signing off. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to, to seeing the mailman who coming to right, me with okay. a message. I do remember that. From you. Yeah, it's always interesting to hear those old recordings and stuff. Yeah, like, do you I think don't know that was a, a message he sent out to his 57 to 75 kids? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I hope he was a little uh, more cordial. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, well, he's... To his 57 to 75 kids. With... <laughs> Saying it like that makes it like, I know there's a five and a seven. I don't remember what order they were in. Like, <laughs> I don't know which order they're in. Come Definitely on, those two get it together. digits, though. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. unreal. Um, speaking of our kids, you know, people <laughs> we've talked about a hundred times, the Holophonics in 2014. The Holophonics. <laughs> Yes, we have discussed the holophonics. Uh, they do a lot of like ska covers. That's, that's they do a lot of covers. That's their thing. Yeah, that's they've done. Uh, we had them on for Feel It Still. We've had them on for. We talked about them like a few three or times. Four times. Yeah, three or four times, and they are like sometimes really good, sometimes just okay, and sometimes not good. They're really yeah. Ska is like usually at least fun. Mm-hmm. And so they're I- usually at least fun. And that's really their tie-in here. Is that they are fun. Ah. And then, you know, they put their little their little skank on it. Yeah, it's um I mean, obviously they've they've got the horns, you know, they got the saxophone. Uh mm-hmm. so they're able to do the bump 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 bump, bump, bump. speed yeah. it up a bit, but it's still like fairly slow feeling. Um for so it's a little more like in the reggae vein than the ska. For sure, yeah, it's because it's slow. They're not doing like a hyped up version, like even his vocals really, which have an echo put on them, but they're a uh, ton of echo, ton of echo. It's really ballad focused more than going wild focused. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
yeah, he doesn't do like any crazy screaming or anything, but a lot of it is playing with that echo, mm-hmm. right? Because like it, lines will overlap, and yeah. as it gets more intense, uh, everything will just get that like cacophony on it, where like the echo is overlapping with what he's saying and overlapping with another echo and another. So yeah. it's pretty pretty cool sound in that way. It's a lot of that like tapey echoey stuff. Mm-hmm. This feels 100% like a, one they threw into their repertoire to have like a Halloween set. Because you even yeah. get this like organ sustain in the back, which is just like classic Halloween. Yeah, but also like pretty accessible to a ska reggae group. Right? Yeah, this is a very easy translation. Like instrumentally, it's it's working. It's like clockwork here. The skank's fine. The horns are great. Like it's all it's all good. Yeah, but they do a pretty good job of uh, of moving into that kind of slightly spooky space. Yeah, I think. I mean, partially just because that's how the song feels to play, but also you know it, it, they make it work. Um, I what I did like was the way they did their ending because they mm-hmm. they continue to play with the, the echo um, as they kind of pull things out, but the echo is so long, things take a while to fade out after they stop playing. Right. So that kind of adds to the fade out of like, you can just stop playing something and then you still keep hearing it. And like the skank is still there or rather the skank drops out, but it's still there uh, like right at the end. And you can hear it like fade as the saxophone keeps playing. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can hear it. (laughs) The other thing about this one is it's still a full minute of saxophones. Like they 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 do the credence thing. Of yeah, where it's like extended solo, not as long as that one, but still but fairly. Yeah, you know, definitely wanted to give it that solo. space. And since like they are a ska group, like they have dedicated brass. They have yeah. guys who are there specifically to play brass. Give them a chance to shine here. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I would say that I liked this one. I like this one. Yeah, a bit of that spook vibe, a little bit of that like mournfulness, you know, with the echoey vocals and his just general vocal performance. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, good horns, good echo. It's a solid version from him. Way to go, fellas! I, these boys might not be lost, but uh, Tim Capello in 2018. Tim Capello. The sax player from The Lost Boys, the the film. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't get that. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I, I don't know how I knew. I haven't even seen The Lost Boys, but I know that footage of him playing sax so well that and this is like his fucking thing. He's just a beefy saxophone player who like doesn't wear a shirt a lot. Yeah, I don't know that movie. Uh, it's a vampire film, but like a horny one, I think. Right. Unlike all the other vampires. Unlike films. all the other ones, which are very tame <laughs> and <laughs> very that repressed. Not porn. <laughs> porn. I just read the word porn on his Wikipedia page. Hey, uh, what's he doing but there? But I meant to say horny. Uh, well, it says something about porn pop, known to porn perform pop. in a G string. So yeah, that uh, messed up. Yeah, straight up. He's just like a horny dude. <laughs> he supported Tina Turner in the 80s and 90s as a saxophonist. Yep. And yeah, he's just known for being ripped and having a ponytail and <laughs> playing, playing saxophone. saxophone. And yeah, this is him performing this song. But it's also like such 
Well, I mean, this is from 2018, but it's very like 80s rock. This right? is such 80s rock. I'm surprised <laughs> this song is not about a car now. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, vibe on this is so like of that era. Yeah, it's so. I mean, it's just it's distorted guitar and like, I mean, it's all saxophone, right? Yeah, like so much saxophone. Um, so over the top in that sense. Like, this is very extreme. I guess that's in keeping with the spirit of the original and some of the, and, you know, and definitely like keeping thing. in spirit with his porn pop. This is his music to strip pop. to for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, it's kind of, it's comical, you know? It it's, is pretty it's, fucking it's so funny. Extreme, it's funny. Yeah. This just this driving like 80s rock and like it's like put a spell on you like that's like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense but it's like hilarious yeah it is something else for sure and then of course he's also the singer so you can't have yeah. sax and singing <laughs> but his vocals also rock and are also like 80s rock yeah he's got that yeah rock gruff thing going on uh with a little bit of i don't even know what you would call that i'm sure there's a word for it it's, it's, um, it's just like yeah. like kind of like sammy hagar like van halen like 1980s like just gruff dude singing yeah if maybe david lee roth is a Dave, good yeah point of comparison yeah um because he's not necessarily like an amazing singer but like it works you know yeah it's just got that like machismo tone to it yeah and um oh man well like the other thing it feels like it's a lot of like loops like yes you know like drum machine and and yeah whatever trashy synth he's got in the back yeah exactly so i guess that's part of the um 80s feel is the like Mm -hmm. kind of old school synth. i think that's largely my complaint with this is that it does feel so like put on a loop (laughs) that it gets a bit stale like the vibe is so on point it's like we've established that. Let's do a couple other tricks from that genre and era here to to emphasize it rather than right. just rely I mean, on it. It's also another one that is like most mostly soloing. Yes, <laughs> I think mostly. Um, let's see. Yeah, there's a lot of solos. Oh yeah, we um, open with sax solo for about like a minute. He yeah. knocks out the verse or two. Back to sax, like sax solo. <laughs> I went through like a minute and a half ish, and then like just over the three minute mark, back into sax solos. So yeah, it's it's that kind of song, and um, I I wouldn't always want to listen to this one, but it's definitely fun time. Yeah, it feels like a novelty song in a different light, and I guess a more twenty eighteen light, where it's like, what if this song was this genre? Yeah, it's this song, but in this genre from the past. So it's like two things from the past that I've mashed together kind of thing. Yeah, Except exactly. he's actually a guy that was in this like 80s rock and roll scene. Mm-hmm. Enough that like, you know, he's part of it. So he's just kind of doing his own thing. Yeah, and his thing is, <laughs> is quite bizarre, but I think good for him for doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's from an album called Blood on the Reed. Blood on the Reed. I wonder if that's just a reference to how hard he plays or the fact that he was in the hit film The Lost Boys. <laughs> is that... That's a... What is it... I'm trying to think, What's it a reference to? Specific, like, is there a phrase? Like, what do you... Pro, I th- what do you the first phrase I with? can think of is, like, Blood on the Leaves. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess so. Which is a fucked up reference to make if that's what he's going for. It is a... Yeah, that's a weird reference to make. Um, but maybe... Appropriate? Not appropriate, but but somewhat relevant to this song? Well, yeah. I'm not worried about it too much. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but uh, you know what is relevant to our discussions of this song? Another is, version, perhaps? Yes, the, the man, the myth, the legend, William Shatner himself. with guitarist Pat Travers in 2020. I put a spell on you! You're mine. You're mine. Oh yeah. Uh, this is uh, another William Shatner. Another William Shatner. So this is twice. See, this is past his his famous Rocket Man performance. Much past. But he's been doing this forever. Yeah. He's been putting these out regularly for decades. For decades. Right? Yes. You know he does these kind of spoken word things songs like he speaks and there's music happening yeah um also he's william shatner do you know who william shatner is the canadian he's a famous guy yeah icon actor singer guy dude uh, space do, man do we need to introduce william shatner i don't know man. introduce I feel like william like shatner. like is it our responsibility yes i mean do yeah we i guess do, do we need to do Would it we have to no. uh, it's probably more important we focus on pat travers who true. people are less likely to know pat travers because i don't know pat travers so he's a Canadian rock guitarist, keyboardist, and singer. He doesn't really seem to have like a specific claim to fame, but he's like worked with people. He's wor- he supported Rush on their Drive Till You Die tour, which was for uh, a farewell to Kings. It's a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. Okay, so yeah, he's been around since the seventies, right? So- yeah, been around since the seventies. He does. He's he's never really like broken out, as far as I can tell. Yeah. But he has worked in the scene, and I imagine musicians know him in in Canadian rock. Yeah, I mean, he's been working for five decades. Yeah, and, and yeah, has yeah, been working. Scene, so, so obviously, he is he's getting by at the very least. And yeah, playing on with groups and non-albums. Yeah, with people as big as William Shatner in the year 2020. Yeah, so. in the year 2020. Um, playing some bluesy guitar. Yeah, so this is um, like right off the bat, or at least off the bat, like at the start, it's the least William Shatner William Shatner has ever sounded like. Usually he just sounds like himself. Yeah, I thought I saw the two names at first without researching them. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, the Pat started. Like, he's the first voice. But no, no, it's all William Shatner. It's all William Shatner, yeah. Um, but he's really trying to get into the, like, Jay Hawkins vein of crazy guy screaming. Yeah, it really is, like, Mad scientist his thing. take on it. Like, he's like, oh, I heard the original back when I was a baby or whatever, and now I'm going to bring the William Shatner version of that to 2020. Yeah, he would have been pretty young. He's in his 80s, though, so. yeah. But, like, also, that's clearly the version Shatner would go to because there is so much theater and so much room to just be a goofball. Like, his, his performances aren't really singing their spoken word, right? So to have yeah, the license to just be a little goof is, like, yeah. perfect for him. And instrumentally. Yes. Like, that's clearly what, what they're covering. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing the bump, 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 bump. Although, bass, not saxophone. Like yeah, it's like a stand-up bass, I think. Um, and then a lot of 
Pat, Pat Travers, Pat um, Patty T playing that those distorted blues uh, licks and stuff, guitar playing in the back. Um, yeah, just yeah, like and William Shatner just like chewing it up, chewing it right up, dude. Doing the doing the crazy laughing. I mean, he's he's committed. Like he's William Shatner. Like he's not gonna half-ass this, you know? No. Um, bouncing all around between sinister and crazy and 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 screaming and laughing and doing the lyrics, but yeah. he's speaking them also. He doesn't sing. Really taking his approach to Rocket Man and refining it, we see here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's only one uh, character in this one. Yeah, this is Rocket Man's three, but you know, he's he's definitely got like a character in mind, and there seems to be a story in mind for this one as well. Yeah, so the music video kind of might be the more interesting part to talk about it because we've really hit the nail on the head. There's blues licks. There's William Shatner being William Shatner, inspired by Screaming Jay Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And there's a standard rhythm section. Like, instrumentally, that's what this is. But mm-hmm. the video, Alex, is animated. Oh, it sure is. Is horny as all get out. Yeah, it's. I mean, we talked about the story of the original song and how it's kind of this breakup. Yeah. But this video sort of reimagines it as just. Like a horny old man lusting after young women, basically. Yeah, after this very, like, German-styled bar wench <laughs> in some animated bar. Some random animated, like, quite like smoky a, bar. Yeah, like a dive. Yeah. You got Pat Travers and a pianist up on the stage. So they are, it's diegetic music here. Yep. Um, but. Yeah, but. Possibly not diegetic vocals. At least not not at until first. he gets up at the end because he's like the video i mean he's sitting at a table chat yes and he is doing the the lyrics and like the there's just other stuff going on in the bar mm-hmm. the animated bar like there's one bit where i believe the the she the bartender lady <laughs> Like yeah, pour, she's like pours beer down a guy's throat. Like yeah, well his you know, head is resting between her titties. So he's like, yeah. let me lie down, and she's like, I'll pour this entire beer in your mouth because you know Scooby Doo stuff. Uh, you know, kind of Scooby Doo so Kind of Scooby. Well, yeah, we get a lot of commitment <laughs> to like a lot. horny cartoon shots. So the dude's head lying yeah. between her breasts while she pours a beer in there, and then it cuts to the rear angle where we just see her butt shaking while she's talking to these bartenders who are at the bar, then there's just a shot, like a first-person angle of her looking down and pouring a beer while they are all looking at her because she's got big old titties. Yep. Yeah, if the animation was better, you'd almost think it was like Ralph Bakshi joint. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. But it's not. But it's not, I assume. I don't see his name in the credits. I don't see it either. Um, and then she goes and brings him a beer, but she like doesn't like really entertain him in any way. She just grabs his his unfinished beer and and fucks off. Some new one, yeah. He like imagines her rubbing his shoulders, but it's yeah, the not smoke real. It's a ghost turns yeah. into a into a, a ghost of her that is rubbing his shoulders as he fantasizes about getting with this bartender. And he, like, kind of gets more and more upset as it goes. He shouts more and more. She's just kind of dancing around and bringing people alcohol. Yeah, bringing people alcohol. alcohol. 
And then at the end, he like gets up, and then it's quite clear that he's actually screaming this shit. And they're like, yeah, the last one shouts your yeah. mind, and everyone's like looking at him like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Do you see that dude with the massive tongue? Yeah, who's got his tongue under two under two glasses of glasses beers? Of beer. Well, he's also like got he's two other glasses. Up Scooby Doo style. <laughs> But what's weird about this video is that the William Shatner is depicted as himself. Yeah, but also, like, very sinister. Very sinister. So it's like, why would he not be, like, just a different little creep and not just William not Shatner? The, the image of William Shatner? I don't know. I don't think William Shatner cares that much about like him his image portrayed as a character you know like he's always been an actor right so it's just like it'll sell so more it's like if we yeah see. of course my face is on it it's me portraying a character right like and we know who william shatner is like enough you know he's got enough of a public persona i think it's not a problem right i think you might be right there alex but yeah it's maybe a little weird it is a little weird. Certainly Incel some Shatner. people be like, no, no, we're telling a story about somebody else. People are like, But no, yeah, wait. probably putting the face on it's more important to get people To, to get the people in, get the people going, Alex. Yeah. Um, anything else to say about this exciting version? Um, no, I mean, it's always fun to see William Shatter do stuff. Yeah. He's, he's, he really, really commits. He sure so. does. Until you make fun of him afterwards, and then he's like, uh, no, I never did that. It was all improv. You're like, okay, bud. All right. Nobody all was right. supposed to see it. Shut up, William. Yeah, he doesn't TV. necessarily own up to it afterwards, but he, he still commits to it. Yeah, certainly in the moment he commits. Yeah. And we are about to commit to our final verdicts, which we take very seriously here. Oh, but absolutely. if you ask us afterwards, we will deny it. Um, <laughs> three categories today, Alex. The worst version, the best version, and Halloween playlist 2022 version. That's what it comes down to. Any questions? No, of course not. Yeah. Worst version, Alex, what is it? Worst version. Honestly, I think the worst version is the Tim Capello version, but I think that's what makes it good. <laughs> you might be onto it there. I think, so, honestly, every version here is pretty good. Yeah, these are pretty solid. Like, they all work. And I'm, gonna, I'm giving it that because I'm like, I think there's some, like, just like, I don't know. I feel like there's some terrible stuff in it, but, like, it, it works because of that. Yeah, or it is so, it, like, know, but... in its lane and in its zone. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I, I hate to disparage it, but I had to pick something, you know? You had to pick something. You know what? I'm going to take down William Shatner, because, like, it's fun, it's good, but it's not giving me anything I can't get in the Screaming Jay Hawkins version. Yeah. Except for a music video, I guess. But even that, yeah. But also still funny, like, a fun version that's also, I think, in its element, so... I can't really fault yeah. any version. Like we said, he commits. He commits. Well, you got to commit to a best version, Alex. What's it going to be? Oh, man. There's some good ones, too. Yeah, some phenomenal versions. <sighs> I will throw number one to... I'll probably throw it... I'll throw it to Nina Simone, I think. It's close, though. I mean, I feel like Nina Simone, CCR, those are like the... Those are the... Yeah. The top contenders. Absolutely. You know? So I'll, I'll hand Nina Simone, because really good version. A little bit, you know, different, because a lot of the other ones really go into the sinister, spooky feel. Mm -hmm. um, and this, hers, 
has a different feeling to it, I think, that's much more tragic. Yeah, you might um, be right there, Especially Alex. with the way she, you know, screams at the end, and I think that's very effective. Um, so, yeah, very different from the other ones, and uh, very good performance. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'll go with CCR, because really you have the either the strongest vocal delivery from Nina Simone or the strongest instrumental delivery from CCR. And CCR yeah. delivers in spades on that. They're phenomenal. What a great performance. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just a clear vibe. It's, it's been on Halloween playlist for years. For and as long as we've had playlists. As long as we've had playlists. And yeah, it's undeniable. Great version. Alex. What is the the Halloween track of the year though? Twenty twenty two Halloween. What are you throwing on? You, you know what? You know what I'm throwing on? I mean, throwing on? I, I hate to deny the CCR version, but I, I think I'm putting Now Lab on because oh, I good think choice. I think it's a good one to have in the background, um, just because it like it it fits the the vibe, but also like has some other stuff going on, and that might perk some ears up. You know, yeah, like, it's a little different, and like, oh, there's a quote in there, and then, hey, wait, that's from that other song about being the god of hellfire. That I, yeah, maybe it's heard? like not so outlandish as to throw people off. Like I was yeah. gonna do Tim Capello's version, but people are gonna be like, "What is this hard rock <laughs> song this? doing here? Why is it on this playlist?" And you go, "Well, okay, let me tell you a story about the saxophonist from the Lost Boys." But <laughs> <laughs> with Now Lab, it's like just off enough that people might perk up a little bit and be like, "Hey, this sounds." like something i know but it's also not and but it's it's also just a very kooky version i think now lab yeah, is the right and, choice alex and like in many ways an effective tribute yes because it is a lot of screaming jay hawkins quotes but not just from the one thing we know him for you know mm-hmm. so it's cool yeah i think it's a cool version i think it'll thrive in your halloween 2022 playlist people make it happen that does it for our final verdicts. You got a different opinion, similar opinion. Want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, of which there are many. Oh, yeah. So many. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. Um, you can also do that via email, CoverMePod at gmail.com. Talk to us there. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app, my favorite podcasting app, everyone's favorite podcasting app. Get us above four stars on Spotify. I haven't checked, but I'm going to bet we're not there yet. Come on, hit us with those fivers, then send us a nasty email. And I'll tell you this, if we get a nasty email, we will read it live on the podcast. It'll be live for us. It'll be recorded for you. (laughs) Unedited, though, feedback, and you can listen to us cry from your mean words. I guarantee that. Um, But that does it for today's episodes, folks. Tell your friends about us. You are our marketing budget department. You're the head of marketing, baby. Get the word out there. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your loved ones. Tell nobody, but tell everyone. You know what I'm saying? I do not. I Neither do I. I'm just saying words to say tell people. Uh, and that does it for today's episode of Cover Me. Thank you all for joining us. And as we always say on Cover Me, I don't care if you don't cover me. I'm covering me right now.